Welcome to episode 88 of the Zay Coleman Podcast. I know we've been gone for the last couple of days, but we will be we're back today. Of course, we're going to be reviewing last night's NBA games, including Kyrie going for 40, but sorry, for 50, Jesus. Giannis did not miss a three. And of course, the Grizzlies dominating again last night and more, of course, here on the Zay Coleman Podcast. Of course, we do have a lot to get in today, but of course, we are going to talk first. Kyrie Irving doing something that genuinely is the craziest thing that you will probably see this season. One of the most efficient 50-point games in the NBA, at least in modern-day NBA. I know Will Chamberlain had his crazy moments. But Kyrie hit 50 points nineteen on 19 shots, 19 regular field goal attempts, only missed four of them. Three of them on three-pointers. I should say that. Three of, them, uh, three of his four misses were three-pointers, which means he was six for seven in the paint. Not bad. Missed two free throws. Again, pretty regular for a guy who shoots about 85% from the free throw line. But the, is, the crazy thing is, is that this is not going to get talked about as much because, again, we just witnessed LeBron drop 56. Tatum the next day, I think, dropped with 54. So, like, the Kyrie 50-point game isn't going to be talked about nearly as much. But when you think about it, this one's honestly more impressive than the, for the previous two because, A, Kyrie did it way more efficiently, at least more than Jason Tatum. He's doing it as a smaller guy who's not the number one guy on his team. And C is doing this as a guy who is basically only a part-time player now, which, uh, like, it's not necessarily, I mean, I'm not going to say it's his fault, quote-unquote, but it's it's something that he could control if necessary. But, like, for, the, again, a guy that's only playing – at bare minimum, half his team, or the bare maximum, I should say, the five uh, playing half his team's home or half his team's games. But when again, you missed the first forty-ish games of the season, he's only played seventeen games a season. And again, I want people to realize that Kyrie's doing all of this on only away games, literally only away games in seventeen games a season, averaging twenty-six points per game, about five rebounds, five assists on 48% shooting as a point guard. Again, as a point guard, that is like easily the most impressive feat he could possibly imagine. And I would, again, would like to preference, this is a guy that's only doing this in a way, on away games. He's doing this against like competition that is, like he's not, he doesn't have the, the you know, the whatever, the home court advantage thing that people want to talk about where, you know, the energy, you feed off the energy of the crowd or whatever. He's doing this against fans who objectively hate him. Or they're to boo him out of the building. Doing this 17 games on, like I said, again, averaging about 26 a game, five rebounds, five assists, on 48% shooting, 40 from three, and about, yay, 90% from free throw. Again, one of the most efficient scorers in the league. Giving you 20, 26, and it's basically the only reason people will actually hate Kyrie is because of his off-the-court antics, or I wouldn't even say antics, his off-the-court opinions. And even then, like, that shouldn't really, like, that's not that shouldn't deviate from the fact that Kyrie is one of the best scorers in basketball, hands down, and honestly has an argument for being the best. I don't, I will never understand, again, obviously the outside, but we'll never understand the actual hate that this man's get from basically just his overall opinion. 
and it's not and again it's not like his opinion is hurting quote unquote others he's not you know these this anti you know establishment type of guy he's just speaking what his mind is and i i, I will and i know we talked about Kyrie in the offseason but let's keep it a buck i only did i only was talking about him on the court where he's affecting his guys on the court but it's not like he's affecting genuine human lives out there he's still being responsible he's still being you know again he's it's not like he's out here like coughing on people and again i don't want to turn this into the political thing obviously this is what people are going to take away when i say that but like just him he basically like once he gets on the court there's nothing that you can do to distract this man from his doing his job because again as the numbers back it up he does not care what y'all think let that man be Whatever he is off the court, that's his business. It's his life, and he lives how he wants to live his life. On the court, you can't tell him what to do because he will destroy 99% of the people on this planet in a game of basketball. Maybe even 100 if it's just mostly just offense. I'm just saying, like you can't really just disrespect the name of Kyrie Irving here because, again... On just a random, random Tuesday night in the NBA, he'll go get you 50. On probably the most efficient 50-point game you will see this season. And probably in the next 10. But the reality is it won't get talked about nearly as much because it's Kyrie Irving. I do want to discuss, of course, the Charlotte Hornets losing yet another game. Which... Honestly, Charlotte really needed this game because if they wanted to, you know, slide up ahead of Brooklyn, you, all you had to do was win this game, and well, you could have done that. Well, of course, Charlotte losing another, yet another one. It's getting disgusting at this point. Currently, the ninth seed tied with Atlanta for the tenth seed, but they have the win percentage, so naturally they can, like I said, they call they can uh, hold claim to the ninth seed. Still have zero reason to be losing games. I should say that about the Atlanta Hawks too, because. Losing to Detroit absolutely is not, it should not be, is, that is inexcusable for Atlanta. And I did, I said it on the podcast, I didn't believe in Detroit because like Atlanta's a team that's genuinely fighting for a playoff spot. Detroit's fighting for the first pick of the draft. But Detroit came out there and played like they wanted this win. And shout out to Marvin Bagley, too, who's been amazing since he's been in Detroit. I know the numbers ain't going to look like all-star numbers, but at the same time, He's most of most of these are him coming off the bench, and when he came in for uh when Isaiah Stewart got injured, which thank God the Isaiah Stewart injury is literally only uh is only like a I think a one week thing. They use I think it was like a bone bruise, so yeah, he's only out for a week. But man, Marvin Bagley absolutely stepped up in the absence of or since he or like when he comes out for Isaiah Stewart he is basically the small ball five off the bench granted like Kelly Olenek you can argue is like the five two but he more plays on the perimeter than he does in the paint so you use more of the four but Marvin Bagley is absolutely just being playing disgustingly good and it's honestly the reason we are winning games right now <laughs> I'm gonna be honest Cade's putting up his numbers like he's been doing all season same with Sadiq, same with Jeremy Grant, but it only ended in like 13 wins or 12 wins, I think, at the time we traded for Marvin Bagley. But now we're sitting at 18 and somehow only three games back of Indiana. Who Indiana is still playing just about as good as basketball as anybody since, it, it, I should say competitive basketball. I'm not saying they're like a great team or anything, but 
But last night, there was just a dumb mistake on Jalen Smith's part, or a dumb foul on Jalen Smith's part for actually winning the game. Potentially, I should say. Because, Mark, like I said, Malcolm Brogdon was still on his ish. Tyrese Halliburton was still on his ish. And honestly, the team did not play bad. The team absolutely deserved to win that game. Buddy Hill was going great. Even the bench with Jalen Smith and Goga Badatse, Dwayne Smith, uh, Dwayne Washington, sorry, Chris Duarte. Those guys was actually hooping. Those guys, every they absolutely deserved the win last night. Again, just a, a bad foul on Jalen Smith, which is, again, is expected because he's only, what, his second year big man. He's going to, again, he's going to learn. Uh, he's going to make mistakes like that. He's just going to have to learn. And that's, again, those are growing pains with having a young big man, a young player in general just on your team. Is those type of mistakes at the end of the games are going to happen. You just got to live with them. But, again, shout out to the Pacers, who, again, was competing against the Cavs, which, granted, with no Jared Allen made things a lot easier in the paint. Granted, like I said, Evan Mobley's still a good defender, but having two really good defensive bigs absolutely helps when one of them is Jared Allen, who's, like, one of the best shot blockers in the game. But back to, again, back to the Charlotte Hornets. I don't understand, like, what, again, what more do you need to do? Like, again, obviously defense is, like, the main issue on this team. That's been no secret. And it's probably been the the catalyst for 85% of the loss this season. It's because they have been absolutely atrocious on the defensive end. And it's because they refuse to go make moves that actually help that cause. Montrezl Harrell is not a defensive big man no matter how much you want to cut it, or you don't play him at the four because he can't shoot and honestly can't create his own shot. Because So that's where you put him at the five. But at the same time, he's like 6'7", so it's not like he's blocking anybody's shot because everybody else in the paint is 6'10", 6'11", 7 foot, especially if you're going against Kevin Durant, who is 7 feet tall, and Andre Drummond, who's an elite rebounder still, even despite the lack of PT he's had this season, at least with Philly. Last night, in 24 minutes, Drummond had 20 points and 14 rebounds because he's playing two of the worst centers in basketball in Mason Plumlee, or two of the worst fit centers, in, I should say, in Mason Plumlee and Montrezl Harrell. And when they go to the bench, it's P.J. Washington playing center, who's not a rebounder. So naturally, Andre Drummond has his best game as a Brooklyn Nets since, uh, well, yeah, since the trade. Kevin Durant, he sat, I sat, he sat back and relaxed for most of the game. But guess what? When Kevin Durant sits back and relax, Kyrie goes for the most efficient 50-point game you're going to see in a generation. So I'm not necessarily going to, like, you can't, and it only is going to get better with Ben Simmons back on the floor. Let's not pretend like it's not. Kevin Durant taking 13 shots, he's going to take more. But it's going to, the defense is going to get better for Brooklyn. Charlotte, not so much. And that honestly might be the, cat. if if Kyle Kuzma and Casey, uh, and KP are still like the dominant duo they want to be in Washington. Well, guess what? Charlotte has a very rude awakening coming up and will likely be a lottery team next year or this year, which sucks for them because LaMelo Ball is a generational talent at the point guard's position. Terry Rozier is a really good scorer. Miles Bridges, who was one of the most improved players coming into the season, still been really good so far in the second half. It's died down a little bit, but it's still been really good. Like, P.J. Washington's a growing big man. Kelly Oubre was a pretty good signing for them. He's been solid. Gordon Hayward, this is the second year in a, a row. A Gordon Hayward in, injury has ruined the Charlotte Hornets. I'm cool with Gordon Hayward making the money he's making, but at the same time, like, Charlotte's not going to want to wait for Gordon Hayward to get healthy because, well, guess what? Gordon Hayward's not going to be healthy anytime soon. So, 
And that's the sad reality for them. And of course, like the best defensive player on this team is, I guess, by default, PJ Washington. But even then, that's not a good thing. Because again, you're going against the most elite scores in the NBA. And if I, real quick while I'm ranting, go look at the Charlotte Hornets schedule for the rest of the year. Chances are, most of the games that they play, they're going to be playing top end scores. Today, they play Jason Tatum. Who, boy, that's going to be a destruction for them, too, unfortunately. Um, they're like the next, even the next few games, they got the Pelicans. Obviously, CJ McCollum's a really good score. And if Brandon Ingram is back by then, he's going to be uh, a pain for them, too. OKC is a tank team that's still tanking, but as we've seen today, Shea Gilders Alexander can give you 33, 8, and 14. Atlanta. Trey Young, Dallas with Luka, Pelicans again with uh with CJ and potentially Ingram. New York with like New York might be the one game that they aren't playing an elite score. Utah, Donovan Mitchell, Brooklyn again with KD, Kyrie, and maybe Simmons back. I don't know. Denver with Jokic. Again, then they played the Knicks. Philly with Harden and Embiid. Heat are just a great team in general. Probably a Tyler Hero type of game. Orlando. They're playing, again, playing a young team, so they might not really care. Uh, Chicago, they got DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. Washington, at the end of the season, is who they, when they going against somebody who's been absolutely dogging since the turn of the of the, of the, uh, the turn of the, of the year, Kyle Kuzma, who's averaging like 24 since January came around. Like, that's, that's what the Hornets have to compete with for the next month and a half trying to be a playoff team and while still being probably the most disappointing team in or not even disappointing but the worst defensive one of the worst defensive teams in the league because well that's something you should have been looking for in <clears throat> miles turner <sighs> that's i don't know like i'm i'm not gonna keep ranting on the charlotte hornets because like at the end of the day it does not really matter they're not my team and i'm not gonna be the one that's trying to fix their their problems because a team that just like recently have lost to the Detroit Pistons, have gotten destroyed by the Bucks, lost to the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, Chicago again, Toronto. Uh, they have been piling up losses. The Clippers, uh, they barely beat the Lakers. Like the uh, they lost to the Raptors again. The uh, the Hawks, they got destroyed by the, the. They barely beat the Celtics. Lost to Orlando. Like they've had. Bad losses and barely, barely have had wins. Like, barely at the skin of their teeth have won games. Like, I'm at, again, bar- again, barely beating the Lakers. Like, I'm not going to be, imp- I'm not impressed by this team at all because <laughs> look how bad of a defensive team they are. And again, they could be Showtime when LaMelo being flashy and Terry Rozier being a great scorer and the Bridges, same thing. They could do all of that, but where's it on the other? Where where's the effort on the other side of the ball? One of those guys have to take a step back in order to be for them to be a good team. Is it going to be Terry? Is it going to be Bridges, Mello, whoever? Like one of those guys have to step up. Anyway, so the next game that we're going to get into the Milwaukee Bucks versus the uh, the OKC Thunder. <laughs> Admittedly, the first half was really fun. I'm not even going to lie to you. The first half was actually fun to watch. The second half, it got like basically when OKC realized that they're in the middle of a tank, so they just stopped caring. But realistically, they had a chance in the first half to keep winning, to actually win this game. 
Like Shea Gilders Alexander tried his best with his team with basically Lonnie Waters was his or sorry, I said Lonnie Waters. Lindy Waters was his best player or second best player that he was on the floor with him most times. Like honestly was not even Poku played one of his best games of the season. It sucks that he's getting basically beginning inefficient or inconsistent playing time. But even like Isaiah Roby played solid. Wiggins is more of a, a, a role player type today. Was still play or yesterday, but still solid. Terrence or Trey Man has been solid since he's moving to the starting lineup. Even like the t- even like the guys that you like never heard of, like the um like uh, Olivier uh, Olivier Saar, like really actually was a good player today. And again, I'm not saying this is like base- great growth from the um from the OKC Thunder, but it's something that you can build upon plus the 497 picks you have in the next six years. Like, I'm not – like, it's going to be a, a genuinely fun rebuild to watch on the OKC Thunder just because of the the many pieces that they have in play here, like Shea, like Trey Mann, like Poku, and, like, basically the other guys that they have on the roster. But um, this is more of the, the Giannis Antetokounmpo not missing a three-pointer game on his way to 39-7-7 and shot. A very efficient 13 for 19, which is Giannis's like that's Giannis's MO. He is a very efficient player because he plays mostly to the basket. But today he decided he wanted to shoot a few threes, did not miss. He went four for four. Like, shout out to Giannis on the Kumpo. And of course, we going are going to give our Chris Middleton quota on the on the podcast. 25 points in 30 minutes. Another efficient night from one uh K mid. Like, that's you 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 go and get that out of Chris Middleton. Let's be honest. And it, like I said, an efficient 25 and a, a cool night, a cool 30-minute night. You could take a little bit of rest because of how bad, bad OKC is. They know they're not going to come back. So then they were starting getting guys like Mamu and uh, Linda Wigginton, Wes Matthews, Tenaces, those guys playing time. And even Mamu played really well in, in the nine, 10 minutes that he got. So uh, shout out to him, of, of course. Next one. The game, like, obviously the game most people watch because it was the TNC game. The Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies. This game absolutely was garbage from the beginning. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Uh, I paid zero attention to the fourth quarter, I like, which was it was weird to me. But, like, like CJ tried his best to keep this game respectable. It just wasn't enough because, like, again, like most of my problems with the Pelicans – they don't have much. Like Herb Jones is a solid young piece. Same with like Jackson Hayes. I think even though he did not play a whole lot, and honestly was not that good in the minutes that he did play. Is like I said, it's still an okay piece to have, especially at that four spot. Same with like Billy Hearn Gomez. I know Billy's not you know a guy that you're building your young team around, but I'm still like I said, still a solid bench piece to have. Whatever. But overall, this team is buns. Like even like De- having like Devonte Graham out there, I'm I'm looking to flip Devonte for a better point guard. If in my opinion, I know CJ is playing the point guard basically, and the lineup coming back will definitely be CJ, fully healthy CJ Herb Jones, uh, Ingram Zion, and Valanciunas. But even then, I'm looking for at least a, a stable point guard off the bench. Lord knows who's even on that in on that salary off the bench could help out for them. But realistically, this team does need help. Like, it's cool that they got CJ and they got them a little big three with CJ and Ingram and whatever. whenever Zion Williamson decides he wants to come back. 
I'm just not a, I'm still not a fan of this team whatsoever. But now Memphis y'all know that I I give my Grizzlies praise on this podcast when whenever I can. Not much because again, I'm not admittedly not checking out Grizzlies games on a religious basis. But John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jerry uh, Jackson Jr., Zaire Williams, who's been one of the not surprising rookies, but one of the rookies that has given extreme amount of playing time since moving into the starting lineup. I'm absolutely loving his game so far. And it's pretty crazy that he's actually doing this on a, a playoff team that's not, or a, 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 I wouldn't say a con- they're not a contender. Let me get that straight. I'm not, they're not going to win a championship. But just a team that's been improving so much and is so deep, you don't necessarily expect like one of your lottery picks to be such a major contributor this early into their career because, again, you're building a legitimate 12-man rotation, basically. Last night it was only 10, but like you can – even like Xavier Tillman, he does get PT every now and then. Same with Killian Tilly, same with Jared Culver. Those are legit Desmond Bain – or not Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks whenever he comes back from injury. He is now sitting on the sidelines. Now I did notice that in the, the – I noticed it in the Celtics game last week, but I also noticed it in, in today's game that Dylan Brooks is actually on the sideline with them. So he's he's travel, at least traveling with the team. So, like, he could be coming back any minute. So it's legitimate 13 to 14 guys that can get actual minutes on a this deep of a really good team is also always a great um something great to uh, moving forward. Nats the uh I said Nats. Next, the uh Phoenix Suns and the Orlando Magic had a game that was about as boring as you can expect when like the two best it's it sucks because like the two best players on the floor was two bigs and the two bigs that I actually love. I love Wendell Carter and I love DeAndre Ayton. Love, love, love DeAndre or Ayton. But the game, I'm I'm gonna be real with you. Orlando's not a fun team. I mean, they got young guys who are fun players to watch, but when it's just like y'all mostly just missing shots, it's not really just fun. It's not fun to watch. I'm gonna be honest with you. Because again, again, two teams that are, let's face it. One team is a contender that's missing their two best players, and it's two te- players that make this team fun to watch. And the other team is a team that's very obviously tanking with basically the worst record in the NBA. And it's not a team that, again, I'm, I, it's not a team that I look forward to enjoying, especially when Franz Wagner has been struggling, Cole Anthony struggling, you know, Shumo Kiki struggling. Markel Fultz coming back from injury has pl- been a plus for them. But at the end of the day, it's not really worth anything if the team is still 16 and 50. Wendell Carter, God bless his heart. Like, God, like he's trying. He's at least trying. He's probably the one major player on this team that's trying. Major contributor on this team, I should say, that's trying. But realistically, I'm not. I'm not look. I don't look forward to Magic games. I'm sorry. Is again, as a guy that's living 20 minutes from Orlando, I'm not excited to watch their games anymore because that's just like. That's just how it crumbles with a team that's as bad as they are. But I will get on to my Phoenix Suns, uh, my Phoenix Suns quota. Man, do I love I it's fun when a team can win without their two best players. Granted, again, I'm there's two players that I enjoy watching on the team more than anybody, or more than any like anything else on the team. But again, when you see guys like DeAndre Ayton that get to hoop, and even like a camera pain that gets to hoop because Cameron Payne doesn't get that much often because Chris Paul is playing 36 minutes. But when a good Cameron Payne gets to hoop or Landry Shamit gets to hoop, you know, um, 
why am I blanking? <laughs> but again, like Mikael Bridges obviously getting more touches. Aaron Holiday, that like a big contributor. I looked at him, I had to look at my notes, but yeah, Aaron Holiday being a big contributor. Tory Craig, same thing. JaVel McGee on the mostly on the defensive end, but still doing his his thing. That's dope to see, bro. Oh, sorry, so somewhat breaking news on the podcast. Um, Sacramento's uh DeMontis Sabonis got suspended. Uh, Sacramento King Center DeMontis Bonus has been suspended one game without pay for aggressively confronting and making contact with a game official. Dang, did, so did, did this happen last? Oh, no, this happened when they lost to the Knicks. We're not going to talk about that yet. Um, the game, it was announced by Byron Spruell, president of league operations. The incident began with Sabonis receiving a technical foul for an unsportsmanlike like reaction to a called foul. Sabonis then reacted. Uh, y'all got to stop using big words, bro. I'm going to be honest with you. Demonstratively, okay, there you go. Demonstratively, again, in the vicinity of the game official and approached and bumped the official in a, a hostile manner, resulting in a second technical foul and an injection. Episode occurred with 435 remaining in the fourth quarter of Sacramento's game, a 135-1 to 115 loss to the New York Knicks on March 7th at the Golden One Center. Sabonis will serve as suspension tonight in the Kings uh, when the Kings host the Denver Nuggets. Now, I kind of want, I, again, didn't watch the game, so I'm, like, I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I, w- I want to watch it, because I want to, all right, because at, at the end, of, like, admittedly, when I see stuff like that, I'm curious, all right, so I got to turn my volume all the way down, but, all right, so, okay, back up, so, yeah, Sabonis, I mean, that's very obviously not a foul, but let me see what Sabonis does as a reaction. All right, so he's yelling, he's yelling, he's going to the bench. That warranted a suspension? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, a suspension? No. Maybe another tech? But a suspension is kind of ridiculous. I'm gonna be honest. like I said, he doesn't make contact with the with the ref. He doesn't. He didn't even make contact with Emmanuel quickly on the foul. So I, I don't understand where the where the suspension. Because literally, he goes up to the official. It's not like he like t- he didn't touch him. Oh my. Okay. So all right, that just hurt my heart. After like after legit like just watching that kind of stuff that makes me want to end the podcast honestly so we we'll give y'all in fact fact I'm gonna give y'all another episode later because of how 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 upset I'm gonna end up being watching this uh, like in real time so I'll give y'all another episode we'll close out with the uh, with the outro okay so, uh, if you missed the previous 87 episodes of the podcast you can check them out on Spotify on Google Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and of course right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Goodbye.